0: We, at the beginning of the year, when we come back together, we'll be starting an Ongo period, um, which is an intensification of practice, and um, together with Medo, we've sort of decided to focus on the hindrances, which are part of the Buddhist teachings, Um, and there are five of them, and we'll be focusing specifically on them, each one for five weeks, Um, and their desire aversion, restlessness, boredom, and doubt. Um, But as we lead into that, um, the next three weeks, well, today and the next two weeks, um, myself and Juzan and Joshin will be talking more generally about hindrances um, as we sort of personally experience them. And this is also part of um, the beginning, I suppose, in some ways, of our priest training. Um, So... Thank you for being a part of that. Um, so when I tried to think about hindrance for myself, and maybe for others as well, I realized that fear is pretty much the only one I can that comes to mind. <laughs> um, and at first I think fear feels like, you know, the fear of how everybody is looking at me and judging me, or um, how I'm perceived if I'm... If I make mistakes, if I make the wrong decisions in life, Um, and in a way, those feel kind of superficial. They feel like manifestation of something, um, a really deep fear, and I think the best way for me to describe that fear is either the loss of ourself or the surrender of ourself. Um, And that is very scary. Um, there's, there's a way in which this is talked about in Buddhism a little bit differently, but here I think I'm going to use uh, something I think that's written on the back of Mato's Raksu, um, which is return accord, and respond. Um, and I'm going to use the butterfly as a, as an image for this. Um, Return is sort of acknowledge and bring awareness to something, and go along with me. We're going to use that as the caterpillar, <laughs> um, and the caterpillar sort of explores its environment, but it knows that it has to. It knows it has to change, and knows it has to become something else. Um, I don't think scientists know how it knows that, but it does know that. And so as um, we do this practice, we start to look at, at our thoughts, at ourselves, at the world around us with, um, with awareness and bring awareness to our actions and our thoughts. So in that stage, we're sort of caterpillars, <laughs> exploring our, our minds and exploring our actions. And then accord, um, I also like to use the word reckon, um, to reckon with that which the caterpillar sees. <laughs> um, and that's the cocoon phase. And I don't know if you know, but this is one of my favorite facts. I don't really do little facts, but I like this one. That the, cat- the caterpillar inside of a cocoon completely liquefies. It's the only way it changes into a butterfly. Um, so it's like a true metamorphosis. It's complete liquefication. And I don't know if it's painful for the caterpillar to liquefy. It sounds like a painful process to have your exoskeleton dissolve <laughs> and whatever else a category has. I don't know. Um, and and so the accord part of this is, is where the real scary part comes, where we have to really face the liquefaction of our past habits or our thoughts or, and... Um, and it usually means we realize we have to do something different. Um, and what that something is, you know, we find out sort of through this process of liquefication or reckoning. And the cocoon phase, in a way, it, it sounds like you know you're wrapped in a nice cocoon and it's safe, but you're liquefying and it's it's really frightening. Um, Maybe you can think of times in your life where you've sat in the midst of that cocoon and liquefied. Um, and then our, our practice help, helps us come to the last stage, which is the butterfly, um, and responding. From a place of love for yourself and for perhaps all beings. Um, from wise compassion. Um, not blind compassion, but wise compassion. And without these hindrances that we're focusing, that we're talking about, in a way they fall away as you emerge from the cocoon. Um, and the best thing I can explain that a, that a butterfly is fearlessness, that it moves through the world without fear. And, but it doesn't come without being in the cocoon first, (laughs) Um, or being a caterpillar first. So we have to find the courage and the bravery to liquefy. Um, And that's what makes this practice so much fun. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. Um, So... I'm going to share a little bit more about fearlessness. Um, and as you may or may not know, it's one of the characteristics of the bodhisattva, who's the compassionate being that um, our practice looks at for an example of how to um, live in this world in a compassionate way. And fearlessness is one of the sort of qualities that a bodhisattva needs in order to live compassionately in the world. So I thought I would share a time when I've witnessed fearlessness, a time when I've received fearlessness, and a time when I have been fearless. Um, or what fearlessness feels like to me. Maybe not a time when I have been, but what it feels like. Um, as some of you know, my um, both of my parents have passed away, and quite significant events in my life, as it probably is for most of us. Um, and my mother passed away, I don't know, seven years ago, and she allowed me to be her caretaker. Um, and she faced her death with absolute fearlessness. There was, she never seemed remotely afraid of what was happening i give a lot of credit to her devout and loyal faith in catholicism um, that she was able to face this eternal sort of ending to things uh, which a lot of us face with great fear Um, and as she allowed me into this space of fearlessness um, she, was, she became a teacher um, to me and, in a way, led me, likely, to the seat right here. Um, in the need to... In, in acknowledging, you know, through being a caterpillar, <laughs> that I needed faith in something bigger than myself. And, uh, luckily, Zen doesn't really make me believe in things just for the sake of believing in them um and i get to experience them before i consider them something i can have faith in um <clears throat> but uh it seems to me there is a need for something larger than myself um when i've received fearlessness um so this is in relation to when my father died when i was 17 years old um I think, in a way, probably we all might act this way around grief, um, sort of an unknowing what to do, how to behave with the person, how to approach them, and that was more intensified when I was a 17 year old, a lot of people didn't know what to do with me. Um, And they they cared, but they didn't engage, they cared from a distance, Um, except one person. he was my soccer coach Um, and his name is Mr. Pariente but we all called him Mr. P. So (laughs) uh, Mr. P in a very sort of covert operation on his part (laughs) very much so entered into my grief and was willing to face it with me or just tell me I'm not afraid to go where you are and that has carried with me since I was 17 and 18, I guess. Um, In a way that I try to operate with other people by telling them, I'm not afraid to be where you are. And I'll accompany you where you are. So as I do that, what does that feel like? Or what is it beginning to feel more and more like? it's beginning to feel like operating from love from without any sort of complication to it simple, clear, unconditional love that's that's not trying to get something, not trying to do anything but just what is what is the response now from love? So when I accord and I need to respond, I need to become a butterfly, what is the response from a place of love? And it it requires a very present moment. um, Awareness really operating from where you are and what love is in that instance it's not the same changes with every instance Um, and what the response is is different with each one with each moment but somehow that presence, being in the present moment and having faith in love and trying to bring awareness to love, there's some sort of strange confidence that comes from that. It's strange, I guess, because it's unusual, it's unfamiliar to me. Um, feels a little bit like... liquefying <laughs> um, in the cocoon. But something, and I think it is love, um, gives the confidence for the Butterfly to emerge in each moment. Um, So, um, I always have interactive components to my (laughs) Dharma talk. So at this stage I'd like for you to, um, maybe if Joshin and Neto and Nina and Judy and the three of you, can just turn to each other and share a time when you witnessed fearlessness, when you received fearlessness, or perhaps what it has felt like in a moment where you have felt fearless, and just share that with um, your partners.
1: <laughs> On my mind yeah can
0: um, yeah. remember <laughs> we have to do this <laughs> privately No just go ahead and talk Yeah oh, okay yeah, no, yeah, there should be really cacophony now <laughs> It's okay <laughs>
1: called the debacle um, a very frightening sense of being under siege being under attack mm-hmm. and maybe I'm frightened need to help. that everything Someone is going to collapse I don't know, you know uh, children that my there's kind of this need to be you know ex- make a child feel like everything is okay and attack, I think and that needs
2: a time to you know when you, when you really feel like you're caring I for someone? Think, and, I don't know. I don't know, know. It's, it's, it's easy to just kind of take the role of, yeah. you know, okay. running away. Like I, um, you don't know that you've got it, but... but I somehow... I think, think you
1: when know, you're called... Is is like able to rest, to to practice, and, you're and, you're practice. and just observe and silence.
2: I really
1: feel, um, um, that's not okay. Really yeah. Not yeah, yeah, because it's never no. 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 Fear fearless now. Same way, I think, my future. I didn't watch to that I was being separated in um, something a deeper. And I never did. whatever that was like,
2: whatever yeah. happens afterwards yeah, that's a very good example <laughs> um, it the first thing that came to mind is it's, it's inevitable I think it seemed kind of inconsequential but I don't know striking at the time it's um, kind of a preface to the story if you know okay. like that that just doesn't mm-hmm. but I catch myself not, not that I really so like that, kind of that but mm-hmm. it's you know, kind of always kind of one time when we were in our old so apartment we just moved here and it appeared when I was still I was employed, oh, so at that time, my sleep schedule was very much that so I would stay up late and sleep yeah, late, like and, you know, apply you for Topps, or because it was my husband sensitive, yes. and I remember how. And he's having some food, like, you know, during the next day, sometimes some I right. had a lot of chopping and vegetables, and a lot of my had in mind. You know, John said it was And I had, in a barn, cut my finger very, very badly. I'm still a scar for about five years ago now. And um, it was bad enough to do it. It wasn't something I could take care of on my own. And this was probably at midnight, one in the morning. I mean, it was pretty late. And he was out of bed asleep, and he was hung And I remember being afraid because I knew that it was it was beyond, I wasn't going was was to be able to control her. was now. And I remember wait, so so wait, going, wait, going so wait, to the room, holding my hand, and saying, what do you need to wake up right, right now? Because I'm so so myself. It's mm-hmm. You myself. Know, I don't know how bad it is, but like mm-hmm. this needs someone else's attention. To mm-hmm. anyway, so and so I remember, not really being afraid of that, but being nervous that I was waking someone from a dead sleep to say, there's no controversy every now. I need medical care. I do and then he just popped out of bed just I like, okay, I know. mean, just let us let me see, let's get this taken care of it, cleaned up. And so, I like remember the, that time um, that it was just very, uh, it was surprising. It was, it wasn't I wasn't so expecting that reaction to go. And it was very much just stepping in and doing what needed to be done. Very fearless in that moment. Stepping up and doing what needed to be done. just felt very in that moment. Yeah, not, the, not, the, not the, my own. <laughs> side of too. But that's definitely on, on 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 one of receiving through us. How the case of I am sure There are lots of examples.
1: Saved by the Yeah.
0: (laughs) Save that one. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing with each other. I don't know, I guess sometimes I feel like lots of other people say things better than I do. Um, So I have a little poem, I think, that gets a fearlessness. And um and has some relevance to recent events here at on as well. Uh, the Journey, by David White. Above the mountains, the geese turn into the light again, painting their black silhouettes on an open sky. Sometimes everything has to be inscribed across the heavens so you can find the one line already written inside you. Sometimes it takes a great sky to find that, first, bright, and indescribable wedge of freedom in your own heart. Sometimes, with the bones of the black sticks left when the fire has gone out, someone has written something new in the ashes of your life. You are not leaving, even as the light fades quickly now you are arriving. So um, we have a bit of time if anybody has something they'd like to share.
1: Talk. And it reminded me of a story about a butterfly and a caterpillar, which I may have told um, here <laughs> many years of stories, mm-hmm. telling stories. You know, but, uh, there was a woman scientist who was... Um, Exploring, studying butterflies and cocoons and caterpillars. And she happened upon um, a cocoon in which it was very clear that there was a struggle going on uh, for the caterpillar to emerge, to liquefy, and to become a butterfly. And she was watching that cocoon shaking (laughs) and moving about and felt this very strong um, impulse to do something to help that emergence. And she did. She reached down and separated, uh, opened the cocoon. And the emerging creature died. And her learning from that was that compassion is not always simply stepping in and saving something or someone from their pain. That sometimes when you do that you are depriving them of that, what I sometimes call labor pains, you know, the pains of giving birth to something that are essential to the butterfly. Um, and so sometimes we think that compassion is simply getting rid of somebody's pain, <laughs> Just opening their cocoon, but. It's often to really deeply see into what is needed, accord with what is needed, is to pray and to be there. To be there with the struggle and not interfere, not interfere with it in, in a way that would deprive the creature of the fullness of the experience of liberation. So,
0: I'm just kind of adding this little dimension to it. Thank you. And I, I think if... there's awareness in, of, of this love that I'm referring to, then compassion that's presence, or compassion that's watching the liquefication feels, can feel like that's the thing that needs to happen. Um, But it's much clearer to see that when we don't come from a place of needing to fix it or our own sort of self-involvement in it. Um, Our self-involvement, but our self-being involved in the process of helping. Thank
1: you.